I read this, this quote by, by Richard Rohr. He's got this great book, uh, Falling Upward, and it's, it's kind of, it's a book about the two halves of life. And we might have one or two of us that's maybe midlife or beyond in this room. Um, it's just a, such a rich book. And um, I love this, this quote from that book. Home is another word for our true self in God. Until we find ourselves in God, we are homesick. The end is always planted in us at the beginning, and it gnaws away at us until we get there freely and consciously. Um, so we're going to look at a story today that is a, it's a, it's one of the biblical stories where, where Israel made their way back home. Uh, it's the book of Nehemiah. It's a self-titled book, and Nehemiah kind of narrates this, this story that took place while he was, uh, he and his people had been in uh, captivity in Babylon for quite a while. He was the cupbearer to the king, so he had a, a rather prominent position there in that foreign land. And King Artaxerxes noticed just um, the ache that he saw in Nehemiah's face when Nehemiah had found out that his homeland was in ruins. And so in sharing that with the Artaxerxes and because of the, the trust that he had, this king allowed Nehemiah and a, and a select few to go back to Jerusalem to begin to rebuild the city, uh, to rebuild the walls for protection around the city, to uh, rebuild the temple. And uh, so he, the, the book of Nehemiah kind of narrates that, and we're going to pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 8. And in 52 days, Nehemiah led these people to kind of finish this building program. This, this, the, the walls and the gates were, um, were completed around the city. Maybe not built fully to height, but at least all of the gaps had been closed in in 52 days. And this sounds like it's a great story, like Nehemiah brought the people back and they had this great experience and, and certainly there were some, you know, that was worth celebrating. But the truth is they, they were enduring a lot of attacks from outside the ranks. There was a kind of a mutiny from within. There was a lot of inner division. And, uh, and they were realizing that their years away in captivity caused them to lose their identity as a culture. They were building walls, but really what needed to take place was a rebuilding of their soul and a rebuilding of their identity. So when you think back to a lot of those movies that you talked about in these are, are, are books, a lot of those characters, it isn't just like, boy, I just missed my bed and I want to go back home. There was, there was something in them that felt incomplete. And they, they wanted something in them to change and to be filled and to be restored. And so Nehemiah, <clears throat> Nehemiah um, along with Ezra, who was a, a priest, um, they have led them into this, this building of the, of the wall, and they realize, yeah, there's some more building that needs to take place. It's going to be something that's inward. And in Nehemiah 8, we pick up the story where Nehemiah and Ezra realize that this rebuilding is going to take place through worship and the reading of God's word the unique role that these two are going to play together. They're two things, but really that they could be described as one single act of worship. And so this, this passage today 
is not a how-to worship. This is not a prescription that we can look at and go, okay, they did these three things, and so if I do these three things, then it's going to be... What we're going to see is um, there is... Uh, this is a, a beautiful picture, a, a snapshot of worship, but it was something that started in them, and this just happened to be how it manifests itself, okay? So I'm going to read a little bit uh, from Nehemiah 8 and a little bit about why we are here in, in Nehemiah 8. Um, there is a, uh, a way that Christians for centuries have read through the Bible um, that keeps the story of Christ central uh, by reading through the Gospels each year. Um, but it also kind of takes you through key themes of the Bible, and it's just called a lectionary Bible reading plan. It's one that I have, have followed for several years. If you grew up in a more liturgical setting, that, that word might be more familiar to you, but it's a couple of Old Testament readings, um, uh, a reading from the Gospels and the Epistles over the course of the week. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to draw from that wealth of Scripture that we are, so we are joining what other Christians around the world are reading at the same time. Um, the text that Kevin read from Psalm 19 was read by untold number of churches this morning. Um, this passage being taught on um, as, as well. And so uh, I mentioned that to you, if you don't have a way to engage the word in 2022, you can go to our website, there's a resources tab, and then it says lectionary, and it has those readings for each week. Um, you can look up those references, and um, if not that, just some way, because I think you'll see as we go through this that uh, God's word plays a real significant part in our worship. So beginning in verse 1 of Nehemiah 8, it says, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. So they have several uh, entrances through the walls, uh, the different gates. One of them was the water gate. This was a very public gate. Um, I'll let you figure out exactly why they named it the water gate. It's real tricky, um, but I think you can figure it out. Uh, but the thing that is really important up front, this is not a, a small kind of throwaway comment. Um, Nehemiah says, all the people came together by the water gate. Um, and it goes on to say not just all the people, but all the men and the women and the children. And what makes that significant is in that culture, oftentimes a very patriarchal culture, it was just the men that got together. Nehemiah and Ezra are saying bring everyone together, men, women, children, anyone who is old enough to understand. And so this is, this is a, an all-inclusive, this is for everyone, is what Nehemiah is saying. And the water gate, well, why the water gate? Why not, I mean, they've got this temple that they've just returned to. Wouldn't they want to read the word from the temple? Well, there were certain rules that they had that, um, that you, were, you had to be prepared to enter into certain portions of the temple. So they didn't want to exclude anyone, so they went to a public place where everyone is welcome, the water gate, where people will go in and out to get water. And so the picture here is they don't want anyone left out. What we're about to do here, Nehemiah and Ezra are saying is, this is for everyone, 
regardless of who you are and regardless of where you might be on your spiritual journey, if you've even thought about your spiritual journey, we want you to know that you are welcome. And I think this is a, a reminder to us that not everybody is going to feel comfortable coming to church, to a church building. Um, they wanted this to be um, a, a time to gather together where they all felt welcome. And I know some of you in particular are great at opening up your homes. That's a place where you found that you can welcome people and show the love of Christ to them. Uh, we have some people in our life that they feel much more comfortable coming over to our house or meeting at Pete's than they would coming here for a church service, for example. And so it's just kind of they're saying, hey, we're going to meet the people where they are. Um, where is a common and open and accessible place? And so I think there's, there's something worth us considering in that, part, in that point. Continuing on in Nehemiah 8, it says, They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. So this was the Torah. This was the, uh, their scriptures at the time consisted of what we would consider to be the first five books of our Protestant Bibles, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. Let me say a part of that again. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon. Our services start at 10. You're welcome. Yep. Just our gift to you. You're welcome. All right. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. They had been in captivity. They had been far removed from home, far removed from their true self, from their true identity that was revealed to them through the word. Their identity as God's people was recorded in this text that was being read to them. So they're attentive because they realize this is, this is for me. And there are people that are, uh, as we see, that there, um, there are people that are interpreting the scriptures as they're being read. Now, there could be two reasons for that. One, it could be that the scriptures are being read in the Hebrew language, and there were very many people who did not know Hebrew because growing up in a foreign culture. And so there were people that, as Ezra read in Hebrew, um, that they would interpret, that they would translate that into the language that those people were more familiar with. Um, but also, there was a need for an interpretation because a new culture with new generations had, had, were there now. Um, this was a completely different people than the people who were here when, when God first gave these laws to Moses. And so they needed to be told, these interpreters helped them understand how to apply this ancient text to their current life situation. And so uh, just a real simple point, um, I think it is invaluable for each of us, and we don't ever outgrow this, by the way. It's invaluable for each of us to have people in our life that we can go to that can help us see how this ancient text of the Bible relates to our current life circumstances. 
people that we can go to that will help us interpret what God might be saying to us. And just for us to get into the word is, is so important. I mentioned the lectionary readings. We've got um, a dozen or more of us that have begun uh, a little six-week journey on Wednesday nights over Zoom. Uh, we're using a, a, an app called Daily Prayer, and it also will guide us through uh, some scriptures and some ancient prayers that Christians have prayed over the centuries. And it, it's just a way for us to kind of lay ourselves before the Lord um, uh, and, and his word. And it's, we kind of say we want to get in the word, we want to get in the Bible, but more importantly, it's a way for the Bible to get into us. You understand what I'm saying? It's a, we are saying this ancient text is relevant for us today. How could it bring about some changes? Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. The point that I want to make here, and I think this, is, this will really help us in, in this time of worship that we are entering into, back into, is um, the people were keenly aware in that moment that they were not merely showing up for the Bible to be read to them. They were in the presence of God himself. They recognized the God of their ancestors, the God who wrote this word, authored it, was among them where they were. They gathered together with a conscious awareness that they were in the presence of a holy and living God. Um, in many liturgical style worship services, uh, it, it will begin with a prayer that basically is saying, we recognize, God, that you are here and you are welcome here. We recognize your presence in this place. If you use that daily prayer app that I was just speaking of this morning, it opened with this prayer. Oh God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us who know you now by faith to your presence, where we may see your glory face to face. This is the opening prayer before going into the scripture reading. It's, it's a way of saying, I don't wanna just kinda of learn something. I don't want this to just be another exercise that I do. I want to stop and remember, I am in the presence of the Almighty. And when we recognize that we are in the presence of the Almighty, things happen. <laughs> things begin to happen um, in us. Uh, for Jack's Christmas present, uh, it's, it, if, you've got, if you've got kids or even cousins, grandkids, it's, sometimes it's hard to surprise them with a gift uh, because they tell you what they want, and, and then if you don't get them what they want, then you, know, you hear about it on Christmas Day. But, uh, but there was one thing that I thought, you know, I bet Jack would really enjoy this. And so um, Jack had always been talking about how he is, uh, he feels um, is so blessed, I don't know, that might not be the word he would use, but um, to grow up watching great basketball players like LeBron. 
and how cool it would be to someday see LeBron. And I've told him stories about when I went to NBA games as a kid and watched Dr. J and Larry Bird and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and some of those, and I mentioned others, and he just kind of gave me that weird look like, who? And, uh, and so, um, but I knew LeBron was somebody that, especially as LeBron's maybe getting towards the end of his career, I thought, I bet Jack would love to watch LeBron play. So um, I looked at some tickets in LA, and that was crazy. Um, but then I thought, you know, they play in Sacramento, and those games are a lot cheaper. And so for, for Christmas, I bought Jack two tickets, one for him, one for me, for us to go watch the Kings and the Lakers play. Uh, it was January 12th, so just a, a couple of Wednesdays back. And, and we've seen LeBron play on television a whole bunch of times. Uh, we've watched untold number of highlights um, on video and things like that. But I want you to know, on Wednesday, January 12th, we were in the presence of LeBron. Now, if, if you don't like LeBron, and you would prefer, like, oh, why don't you use a Steph Curry example, then you buy me a ticket, and I will use Steph Curry for, <laughs> for, for uh, an illustration. But um, Jack and I were there. We were present. We were fully present to LeBron's presence. We, we did not step out to go to the bathroom or to get snacks if we thought there was going to be a chance that we would miss LeBron being on the floor. We saw firsthand him on a fast break catch a, catch a pass off of the backboard and dunk it. We saw, we just marveled at how his team was behind and he just took control of the game and made it look so easy. It, like he was playing a bunch of third graders. Turned the game around right there. On Wednesday, January 12th, we were in the presence of LeBron. Now I'm going to make a comparison, but mostly a contrast with being in the presence of God. Uh, so being in the presence of LeBron and being in the presence of God, there was a really big difference that night. Biggest one being we were consciously aware of LeBron's presence Somehow LeBron didn't get the message. He was not aware that Jack and I were there. I don't know how that happened. Um, he somehow missed us. We were two of those specks way up there, uh, row P at the very top of the, key of the stadium. But um, we were aware of LeBron's presence. I don't think he was so aware of ours. But it was still an amazing experience. And this is the thing that really blows me away. Not only can we be aware that God is present here, God is aware that you are present here. You did not slip by him. He knows you are here. And when I say here, he's, he's there too. For those of you on Zoom, you're not just in your living room. You are in a sacred space because God is there and he sees that you are there and he wants to bring you back to your true self. So Jane, you can kind of make your way back up to lead us. Um, the people experienced uh, quite a bit in their worship. Some of them raised their hands. Um, they're described as falling on their faces, uh, bowing down. 
Uh, we're going to read in just a moment that some of them wept. Really, the response was, was simply there was something in them that was being transformed. There was something inwardly that moved them externally. They were stirred by God in their midst and by the recognition that God recognized them. So just to kind of help you land your plane, um, will you do this? Just take a deep breath. Just kind of settle in where you are. And we don't want to jump right into a song. I want you to just recognize that God is here. And however God wants to say this to you, I pray that you can hear him saying that he is present to you. God in this place. And with God in this place, we are not just singing songs about God. We are going to sing songs to him because he is here. To the one who is present among us and graciously present to us. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us who know you now by faith to your presence where we may see your glory face to face. And then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, Beth and I and the kids sitting at the table over Christmas break and um, something came up about relationships and the kids have been in some relationships that didn't quite turn out the way they thought and um, so I mentioned at the table I said actually your mom and I when we were dating uh, we broke up for a little bit and Callie was like who broke up with who and I said uh, I said I, I, I broke up with your mom and she's like why did you break up with mom and before I could answer Beth just real casually goes, because your father was an idiot. <laughs> and uh, Jack and Callie thought that was pretty funny. There was no way of arguing that point. Um, I think Callie added to it, uh, did you just not know how good you had it with mom, you know? And, and so, um, but it brought to mind at, towards the end of what was going to be that breakup. I didn't know it at the time. Beth and I met up at at Creepcore Lake in St. Louis. And um, so just a, a lot of emotions went into that conversation. We had been apart for a while. And I realized I didn't like life without her. <laughs> but I didn't know if she was willing to take a step back into me letting to do, allowing me to do life with her. And so, like I said, it was just kind of a roller coaster of emotions. And I don't remember specifically that, that there were tears, just that there was, 
this, oh my goodness, maybe, just maybe, I still have a chance <laughs> that I walked away with. And I read this passage and they, it says that they were, that they wept over the word of God. And I wonder, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if it was kind of like, we've been on a really long breakup with God because we were idiots. <laughs> and they were realizing, wow, this, this is as good as it gets. And maybe their weeping was over just that brokenness, but maybe the weeping was also kind of a, I think he's going to accept us back. I, I think we got a chance at this working out. I want us to come to the table with that in mind. Maybe some point this week you, you were on a break. It was a breakup. God would never use the word idiot. <laughs> but this meal is kind of a way of saying, yeah, I've been on a break. I've walked away from God. But this meal is also a reminder that he accepts us back. And this is worth celebrating. So when you're ready, um, you can make your way to this table. Maybe you're thinking about a way that you broke it off with God, even if it was just momentarily this week. But with a smile on your face, can you partake, dip the bread in the cup, say, thank you, God, that you're still in this relationship with me. So that's what it's about. Thank you, God, for never giving up on us.